I had told myself that this time would be different. I had been in this place before, but next time I would be stronger. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fall into the same temptations as before, but there I was last week, and I purchased. I purchased on Amazon Prime Day. <laughs> See, I told myself that this year, this year I would save 100%. Not just the, the 20% or whatever they offer you, but there I was. I was uh, scrolling social media, which is just, you know, 2022's version of the TV advertisement or the billboard, and, and there was an influencer there, and I was influenced. And last week, of all weeks, I bought a fire pit. pretty much a fire outside last week. <laughs> so you may think of yourself as one thing. I didn't think of myself as easily influenced. And then here we are with a fire pit in our backyard. I don't know when we'll use it. <laughs> Today I want to talk a little bit about people and about the influence that they have on our lives and likewise the influence that we have on theirs. I want to welcome you this morning. My name is Cale Courtright, one of the ministers here. We're so glad that you've been here to worship with us this morning, whether you're here, online, wherever it is you're joining us and when you're joining us, we're glad that we have an opportunity to connect with you today. We're in the middle of this series called I Give Up. It's on surrender. And so we're going to talk about that today. If you have your Bible, go ahead and, and turn over to Judges chapter 16. We're going to read uh, a good section of that this morning. But, um, you know, we're really thinking about what it means to surrender our life to live a life that God has called us to. To, you know, not live by our patterns anymore, the way that we think we should live, but give it over to, to him. And one of the things I confess that I've noticed in myself and as a church leader a couple weeks ago is that, you know, we try our way all the time. We do. And it's not working, church. Living according to our means, according to the pattern of the world, it doesn't work. So we need a different method of living. And so a couple weeks ago, we talked about just really living this life. It's not, an, uh, it's not ideas to have, but it's a life to live. And that changes how we live out our faith. And then we talked about our time, how we spend our time, how we spend our days. And I will say, I've got a lot of, I've been having a lot of pushback on that one. I suggested you get in the longest line at the grocery store and people heard nothing else. <laughs> I still think it's a good discipline that you should try just one time. Just, just try it and just try to be patient and go slower and see how that goes for you. But uh, today I want to talk about people. But again, the, the verse we've been, the theme verse for this has come out of Romans chapter 12. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Or we could say, surrender your life to Him in view of what He's done for you. This is your true and proper worship. And this is, this is where Paul wants you to live it out. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We have these patterns that we've lived into, whether for better or worse, whether intentionally or not, you have a pattern set before you. For instance, you live in Texas, and my guess is that many of you use the word y'all on occasion. That's just a pattern of being. And maybe you're not from Texas, you maybe moved from a different place, and you've noticed it, right? You're like, man, they talk funny, you know? Uh, that's just 
We, didn't, we lived into it. We didn't choose it. You just lived into it. That's, that's what it means to be in this pattern. And so we want to think about our pattern today, especially when it comes to thinking about the impact that other people have on us. Because we're, what we're talking about is the kind of people we're becoming. No one is set in stone. No one is done. And so what kind of person are you becoming today? I was raised in the life of the church. I like to joke with people that my dad, I don't know what his official title was, but I called him the deacon of moving chairs. And so we were moving stuff all the time. And as growing up in the life of the church, I had two favorite Bible stories, especially as a young boy. And I, get, I bet you can guess at least one of the two. My first favorite was David and Goliath. And the story is he's a young boy and he slays the giant. And what young boy didn't want to be, able to be like David in that moment, right? You wanted to slay the giant. You wanted to be that kind of warrior, that kind of person that God was using. And second uh, was the story of Samson. I love Samson's story. Samson was kind of like the Bible version of Thor, right? He's just this huge, I don't know, maybe you guys saw Thor already, I don't know, but He's just, he's this warrior. He's this like superhuman warrior. I mean, like who wouldn't want to be like that? He has like, he has this greatest hits you can go read in scripture. And the first is that there's a time he tears a lion apart with his bare hands. I've never done that. Have you? Um, there's another time he, he catches, I guess, we don't get details. I'd love to hear the details. But he, he has 300 foxes and he ties them together and he puts a torch um, he ties a torch to them and he sets them loose and they just burn down all this farmland. And then lastly, just on a normal, you know, Thursday, he picks up the jawbone of a donkey and he kills a thousand men. I mean, who wouldn't watch this movie, right? Like, you want to see this. But just like any good character, it's worth revisiting our heroes as we get older, right? Because it's not just those movie parts, but, but our characters are flawed as well. It's how we relate to them. And they're, they're human. You know, David had his famous uh, problems, his flaws, and Samson too. And he, they, have, they kind of share a commonality. Samson, one of his major flaws is women. And I want to read a story that has to do with that. Samson, from his birth, has this gift from God. And it's as if he just takes it for granted. Whereas any one of us wishes we could be like that. He takes it for granted. So his story starts in Judges chapter 16, the story I want to put before you today in verse 4, and it reads like this. Sometime later, Samson, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sarek whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. So from the very beginning here, we learn just a couple of things right off the bat. Before we have her name, we know that Samson loves her. We don't even know her name yet. Samson loves her. And that's why he's here. That's why he's in the relationship. But Delilah's not there for the same reasons. We have no idea how much money this is, how many people are offering her this, but it's probably substantial. She's there for business reasons. She's there to make money off of Samson. He's there for love. She's not. And, and I'm certain she said something to him before this, but the first quote we have from her is, tell me the secret of your great strength, how you can be tied up and subdued, which is kind of a weird question, right? If you have a friend who's strong, you may go like, man, what, 
kind of workouts are you doing? How can we do this? I doubt you're like, so how can I beat you up? I mean, that's essentially what she asked. These are the first two things we learn. And I want you to keep to note, that's the first time she asks. And he'll answer, starting in verse 7. Samson answers, If anyone ties me up with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied Samson with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And let's not just brush over that. Let me read that again. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. The strength, the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, you made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now and tell me how you can be tied up. Okay, so if I told someone the answer and then they tried it on me, wouldn't you be a little bit skeptical about what's going on? And I wanted to point that out. I'm certain he noticed that there were people there. Samson might be, might be, because we don't know the full story, but he might be one of your dumber Bible characters. (laughs) Because now she's asked a second time. And what does he say? Verse 11, he says, If anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then the men hidden in the room again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. Delilah said to Samson, this is the third time, All this time you've been making a fool of me, lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. For the third time, you've heard the phrase, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. This is the third time she asks. Now let's give a modern day example for a minute. What if you had a very close friend or a significant other, so much so that you say, I love this person. That's where Samson's at. He loves this person. And they said, you know, I think you're probably pretty good at this, so tell me the password to your bank account. And being, you know, the kind of person you are, you said, my password is password123. If that's your password, you should change it today for the record. (laughs) If the next thing you notice is you get a fraud alert or someone's trying to get into your thing, I mean, what would you do? Oh, you're right. Sorry. Add an exclamation point to the end of that. I mean, Samson just does not see the pattern set before him. She's asked a third time. And this is, this is what is said in starting in verse 13. Samson says, This time, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pin. Again she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pin in the loom with the fabric, She said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. So she'll number it. This is my third attempt. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Do you see the pattern? Do you see what's happening? Because Samson does not seem to see it. And my guess is that 
If he had seen it, we wouldn't have this story in our Bibles. This story is here for a purpose. And this, this story reminds me of a quote from Maya Angelou. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And there's probably people sitting in here today that might have a Delilah in their life or might be the Delilah in someone else's life. Believe them. They don't have your best interest at heart. See, somebody's here for love and somebody is there for a very different reason. He doesn't see the pattern, but the pattern has been set and the world won't let up. The world wants to draw you away from God wants to point, put you on a different path. We're talking about our patterns. So who is in your life? Who is drawing you closer or away from God? See, for Samson and for us, the slope only gets more slippery. So in verse 16, sum up this part of the story. It says, so he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would, be, I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had now told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. She called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. That's a pretty haunting last sentence, isn't it? But he did not know that the Lord had left him. See, Samson from, from the very beginning was supposed to be God's person. You can read about it in the book of Numbers, but he took this a Nazarite vow to be dedicated to God. He entered into a covenant that God would bless him, but that he would be dedicated to God. And he had lived that way his whole life, taking for granted what you and I would love to have, some kind of special gifting from God. And what he did not realize is that how, just how our relationships impact our relationship with God. He didn't see this path that he was on until it was too late. But that he walked this line until he ended up that God wasn't there. And you see, how it, you see how it progresses. He eventually is laying in the lap of a place that God will not go. And it reminds me of Psalm chapter 1 where the psalmist writes, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. So you see, this, you see this progression, someone who walks versus someone who stands, and finally someone who sits. And this is exactly Samson's story. Samson began this relationship, and he ends where he is lying in a place where God will not be. He has moved to a place in his relationship that God will not go with him. Until he wakes up and he realizes that God had left him. And we might be reading this story right now and we might be thinking, Samson is such a fool. I made fun of him earlier. 
He's such a fool. How could he not have seen it? And I think it is so overt to teach you and I a lesson. I think, we, again, we have this story because he doesn't see it. But many of us are, have the same warning signs flashing in our life right now, too. That we've started to go down a path that God is saying, it's time to turn around. You have not one chance, not two chances, but four opportunities to stop and to turn. Often, this is the way that we end up in a place that we have been left by God as well. See, nobody wakes up one day and decides to be evil. Nobody wakes up and sees that they have moved so far, but typically it's this slow fade, isn't it? It's one small decision after another. Things that we don't think of as, as too important. It's not, it's not that big of a deal until you wake up and you're just like Samson. See, see, these patterns matter. The pattern of the world would lead you away from God. So Paul writes, don't be conformed to that. Renew your mind and be transformed. So you're not making these little decisions over and over again. Often, we end up there because it has something to do with other people in our life, doesn't it? There are certain things that happen when we're around other people. And I ask myself, why this week? And I think it, it's because we are communal people, aren't we? I mean, we're tribal. We, we are designed to be with people. We say that here a lot. Connecting with others is a main part of our mission here at Crossman because we know how important other people are. You heard it just last week from Jeff, who spoke, for us last, spoke to us last week. He said, you may call it a street gang or a bike gang. I call it a life group. Because you need other people. You're going to be around other people. And, and other people have an impact on you, don't they? Maybe you've, re- you've had the same moment before. That you're saying something to a friend or your child or something like that. And you realize it wasn't you speaking anymore. Now it was one of your parents. And you like stop and you go, whoa, I didn't know mom was here. I've had the moment that I'm talking to my kids and all of a sudden I'm saying the very words my dad said to me, right? That we are impacted by other people because we're communal, we're tribal. We need other people. And this extends beyond our family, but you'll notice that who you spend time with is who you are becoming like. So you've heard it said before, maybe one of these two phrases, you are like the five people you spend the most time with. Or maybe you've heard the other phrase, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I would say that there are kernels of truth in both of those, aren't they? Aren't there? That you are becoming like the people you spend time with, the people you hang around. And it's who you are becoming. It is your future. And so maybe it's hard to make an example like this with your faith, but just think about it from your health perspective. The people you spend time with, you start to eat like them, go to the same places. You might even adopt new hobbies like those people. You know that there's truth in this. Who you spend time with will impact you. Parents, I think we know this to be sure. You have seen this played out in your kid's life, haven't you? When they get a new friend or maybe a new teacher. On the positive end, they get, they get some adult role model in their life. And they start living in a way that you're like, man, this is great. I am doing a great job. And maybe all along it was the youth minister. Or it was the teacher or the coach. And we see that impact in their life. But you also have seen the alternative. Your kids start saying something. My kids are young enough that sometimes they, they say things. And you go, I don't even, 
I don't even use phrases like that. Where did you even get this language? And you can almost pinpoint the exact day that a new friend came into their life, can't you? You can see how other people impact us. We were made for community in church. We're going to find community. This is, again, what Jeff taught us last week. You're going to find community. And our hope and prayer for you is that you would find it among brothers and sisters in Christ, a place like this. So the first thing you hear us talk about all the time here at Crosspoint is our connect, is, is our connect groups. We want you to be part of our connect group, because not because we're perfect or because they're, they're, there's going to be anything groundbreaking there, but, but because you need to be in community with like-minded people who are pursuing this different pattern of being. These people who are pursuing a life with Christ, and together you will get there. They don't have it figured out. They haven't arrived But they need you and you need them on the journey. Again, you're going to find community. You might as well find it here. You might as well spend time with people that are pursuing the same things. Right now, likewise, we have our woman-to-woman sign-up going on out there. It's the same idea. Put yourself, ladies, put yourself in relationship with other people. People that might be ahead of you on the journey that will help you. Maybe people that are behind you that you can help bring along. Find that community. Another thing you heard a lot about last week is our Celebrate Recovery ministry. It means every Tuesday evening in the youth room. We would encourage you to be part of that. It's an intentional community. A group of people who are coming together who have honesty about their past. Honesty about where they are today and hope for the future. People who are going to be together as they strive towards the life that God is calling them to. See, they... They're going to go in there and be real about their patterns of being. And we all have them. They're going to give you a new pattern, a way to walk with Christ. It's discipleship. It's shedding our life for his. So we would invite you to that as well. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, man, they're just, the minister's saying, come to church more. I get it. But you know what you notice about people when they when you start to mature in your faith, you're going to notice one or a couple of things. One, that other people played a role in it. That it was the body of Christ. It was your family members, your church friends, the people around you that helped you mature. And you'll also notice that people who are mature in Christ are part of a church family. Because they know the power of it. And so yes, I would, I would claim you need to be part of this. Part of something. You need to be part of our connect groups, celebrate recovery, woman to woman. Find a place to connect because, you're again, you're going to find that community. You should find it with a group of people who want a different pattern of being. I also would, you might also be arguing with yourself right now, I'm like, so do, what about other people? What about people outside of this place? And yes, we are called to be that light on a hill. We're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to disciple and to baptize. And we want to be those kind of people as well. But if you're in a place like Samson, it may be time to take a break from that. See, Samson was not rooted in his relationship with God. Samson was not in a place to stand firm in order to go out into the world. So I want to give you a different example. I want to give you an example from Jesus, which I know can be difficult because Jesus is God, and so it feels like he has, you know, a leg up on us. 
But one of the things I love about Jesus is it does not matter what situation he's in, whether it's with Pilate or in the garden or wherever he is, Jesus is rooted in his identity as God's son and in his mission of bringing good news to the world. It did not matter who he was around, what temptation he faced, that's who he was. And far too often, that's who we struggle to be. See, God says the same thing to you as he said to Jesus. He says, you are my son and my daughter. I created you in my image, and you are dearly loved. Church, that's who you are. doesn't matter what the world throws at you. That is who you are. You are dearly loved by God. You've been given a similar mission, and sometimes we can be swayed from that. Jesus never was. So there's this moment in John chapter 4, and Jesus and his disciples are are on their way back to Jerusalem, and they stop at this well for some food and to get some drink. And so the apostles go find some food, and Jesus is there. And he asks this woman at the well, he says, will you give me a drink of water? And this is inappropriate for a couple of reasons. One, he's a Jew, and she's a Samaritan woman. And two, he's a man, and she's a woman. Nobody else is around. She's, at mid, she's there at midday because she's kind of the town pariah. She's the one everybody knew her story. And he starts to tell her, I, I have this living water that will give you eternal life. And she says, I want some of that. And he starts to tell her about her life. See, Jesus knew her all along. He knew her story. He knew her past. And so she leaves knowing this is the Messiah. And she runs back to town. And what does she say in John chapter 4? She says, come meet the man who told me everything I ever did. That's her testimony. Come meet the man who told me everything I ever did. And people believe because of her testimony. People run to Jesus. And so church, today we have a decision to make. So you can be like Samson, taking for granted what God has given you. Not taking seriously the patterns in your life. Knowing that, you know, God hasn't left me before. He won't leave me now. Or you can be like this woman at the well. You can be like Jesus who interacts with her. She's honest about her past. She's honest about where she's been. And she says, come meet this man who's changing everything about my life. You see a difference? So what we know is that people can lead us to Jesus, and they can lead us away from Jesus. They lead us into this pattern of being. So the question that we ask ourselves today is, who am I becoming? And who is it in my life that is influencing one or the other? So if we want to be people who surrender everything to Jesus, we have to turn the microscope, turn the mirror on ourselves and on our relationships. Because you're going to be impacted by people. These things are true. You're going to be with people and they're going to impact you. And likewise, you will impact them. Are we becoming people of love? Are we going away from that? See, we're all like the woman at the well. We're all coming to Jesus with a past, with baggage. And church, he knows you before you knew yourself. He knows exactly what you have when he says, come to me. And so we can be like Samson, we can lie in a place where God will not go. 
Or we can be like the woman at the well and we can run and say, come meet this man who's changing everything about my life. The man who gave up everything for you and promises you new life. Last week, if you were here and you saw, uh, you were part of our Celebrate Recovery Sunday, you may notice that the person delivering the sermon today and last week look a little bit different. If you should go look at it, you just, you'll see. And one of the things I love that Jeff said is he said, I'm exactly who I am and God is using me for right where I am. And he said, I will meet people that you will never meet. And, and he said, you'll impact people that I would never have a chance to. And church, that's our story today. So you're somewhere between the woman at the well and Samson. And the call today is to use, to not be ashamed of your past, but to know that God has redeemed your past. And that becomes your story. Is that what God, what, what God redeems, he uses for other people. So we go tell the world, come meet the man who's just changing everything in my life. As we close, I'm going to invite our shepherds take their place on the wall. And church, as we stand in a minute, I'm going to invite you to pray with them. Because you need prayers in your life. Living into a new pattern of being is not going to be easy. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be a daily endeavor. So you need people that will walk with you. And these couples have a maturity, have wisdom that is beyond most of us. And they are inviting you to go to them. So today, one of the things we claim is that we don't have it all figured out. We are not perfect. In fact, we're far from it. But what we do know is the one who is perfect. And so as we sing this last song, if you haven't met this man yet, we want to introduce you to Jesus, the one who will change everything. So if we can help you in any way, please be standing while we sing our final song today.